today. Let me hear it for all our first-time guests this morning. Glad to have you guys. Um, We are a church full of messy, broken, imperfect people. And uh, that is because life is that way. And we're in a series called Hope Again. Because we actually believe that through your connection, your relationship with with Christ, you can really find hope again. And so we're glad you're here today. Uh, Before we dive into our conversation and where we are in part two of uh, this series, I want to introduce to you some very significant people in the life of our church. This is our church, my church staff. You guys come up on stage. Let me introduce these guys to you this morning so you can know... So you can know and see uh, people who are in areas of the church who you may not know who does what, where, and how, and uh, we get them all up on stage this morning. I'm going to start on this end over here, and uh, let's start over here. This is, this is Justin. Why are you guys laughing at me? Um, you're, they're trying to play a joke on me. I never know what's going on behind the scenes because these guys are a little sneaky, and sometimes we play jokes on each other, so we never know what's going on, so... Anyways, this is Justin Williamson. Justin is our student ministry uh, director. Justin is the only person up here on the stage that's not a paid staff person, which means he's not paid. He just does it as a volunteer. He is actually uh, what we consider a high-level volunteer for us. Uh, Many of you do and fulfill high-level roles in our church as volunteers. Justin is one of these guys that does that for us. In fact, I would say probably the bulk of our staff were high-level volunteers before they actually came on as a paid person on our staff. And I would also say that most of our staff also have full-time jobs, and in addition to being a part-timer on our staff. So they are busy people. But Justin is a, is a gentleman who I know uh, for many, 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 many years ago. He was actually in my student ministry when I was a youth pastor, and one of the kids I love with all my heart. And so it's great having him a, a part of our church and having his wisdom and leadership uh, guiding our students. He also has a great student ministry team. Some of you guys are out there this morning that help with our students. And we have a wonderful high school and middle school student ministry. If you have a student of that age, uh, they meet every Sunday night at 6.30. 6.30. So if you got a student, you got to get them in there because they are awesome. They just came back from a great camp. Yeah, 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock. I'm always late. He's late, so we're good. All right, so that is why we also employ... Brooke Salmon, who is, our, who is our family ministries director. Brooke actually is uh, one of our super smart, strategic uh, personalities on our team. She's very uh, savvy when it comes to system structure and really kind of seeing a great big picture. So she oversees babies all the way through uh, high school, middle school. And she uh, helps us have a game plan for what our kids get at every stage of the game all the way through to when they graduate out of high school and go on to college. So she oversees that from a, a director standpoint. Uh, if you'll notice the person to her right, uh, they are not twins, although they also, they really coordinated today. And I don't know if uh, Brooke directed or Rose coordinated, but Rose Mishkoff is our family ministry coordinator. So they, they, they work hand in hand from uh, kids all the way through high school students and Rose is one of these that came from within our church. We love her family. She's actually got a high school student her, uh, herself, and so we feel each other. 
Uh, our, our girls, her daughter and my daughter are very good buds, and so we love that. We love the Mishkoff family. Uh, met them years ago at a water park, and I won't go into great details because it's actually a very funny story. So we'll skip that. So, uh, but, but both these guys do a wonderful job with our kids' ministry and very proud of really the transformation in the last year that the ministry has taken underneath their leadership. So I really appreciate both of y'all. Cinnamon Williams is our, I'm going to feel the official office ministry director. And let me just say that, that that's the official, the behind the scenes name is Elmer's Glue. That's what she does. Uh, most of the things that you see revolving around the church, from events to a lot of the details that coordinate between all these different ministries of the church, Cinnamon is the glue for us. Uh, she's a wonderful person. Uh, again, people who are in the church and came up through the ranks and just we identified her as somebody who, who has a lot to uh, pass on. And so she oversees a lot in our church and does a phenomenal job. Uh, Adam, Adam is our worship director, Adam Thornton. Uh, he is officially a ladies off the market, uh, not married. So I guess it's not official, but he's got a girlfriend these days. And uh, we, love, we love Jess. She's awesome. All of a sudden, I just saw another bead of sweat come down his face. <laughs> look, look that way. Let, let's get, stay, let's stay on topic. Let's look, look, see that? You see that? All right. Adam, Adam uh, started coming to our church, driving two hours every weekend to be here to play in the band. And uh, God, he got saved, uh, got, got his life put together. Gave his life to Jesus when he figured out that he needed to be here in Columbus. So let me back up because no one really got that. It wasn't a very good joke. He didn't get saved. He just got his life together when he moved to Columbus, Georgia and came on our team. So Adam is, is a guy that, that pulls uh, all the people together that you see who are on stage. Adam does a phenomenal job of sharing the wealth. Uh, he's a very talented person, but he shares the wealth. He's, he's not an insecure leader. He's a secure leader. So we've got a lot of very sharp, talented people who share the stage with Adam, and I'm very proud of the job he does. The worship that he picks for our church is finely tuned for every specific Sunday, and uh, I, I love our worship. I think we probably have the best uh, band and worship team anywhere around, and so these guys do a great job. Um, this is uh, Elliot Vote, and Elliot is uh, the guy who that coordinates really everything that goes on in this service. So you see lights, uh, things that go up on screens. Uh, all stage, uh, anything that really goes on to make the production work well is is what Elliot does. So he's got a big, got a got a full plate. Um, he's working uh, behind behind the scenes constantly uh, with graphics and coordinating everything that goes on for this service. So he's done a phenomenal job. Probably one of our most brilliant guys on our staff. Uh, he's he's just a he's a very He's a very meticulous, smart guy, and we are very grateful to have his, his wisdom and his noodle, uh, noodle brains, <laughs> brains to help us with our staff and all that goes on. So, all right, next, next but not least, Adam. Uh, Adam's over here. This is Richard. <laughs> this is Richard. Just repeating people, because if you forgot Adam, we wanted to make sure there's a difference because they're plaid shirts we all match today. Uh, Richard, Richard Moore is uh, our, our coordinator for all our connections. He's our connections pastor. So as you are new to the church, you're trying to figure out where do I go, where do I plug in, 
this is his baby. So he helps us get people connected to the church and helps them grow. He officially oversees all our small groups. And so you heard him announce, announce groups just a moment ago. That is where we get people connected and really growing. This, honestly, this big uh, room right now is really not where you really grow. This, this is just looking at the back of someone's head as you hear a message and you hear it, you remember it all up, all up until probably lunch. And, and then you forget it. But the application really happens when you're in a community of smaller size with other people. And so Richard oversees that, does a phenomenal job. Last but not least, this is Ed Griffin-Hagen, the newest member to our church staff. He's full-time as a, at Cannon Parker, Duncan & Key, as a real estate agent, actually one of the owners in that organization there. And he oversees now the strategy of our church. You're calling him our strategy pastor. Uh, lo and behold, after six years of my personality taking the church and us, you know, revving the engines, we engines, we need somebody who is really smart and strategic about helping us be effective. We don't want to just run in any di- given direction. We need someone to help us really map out how and why we're doing what we're doing. So uh, Ed is that guy, and we're very proud to have him on our staff. So I want you guys to know these people. They're the ones that make it all happen around here. If you're interested in plugging in into any one of their areas, serving or getting a little deeper connected to the church, know that this is your team. And thank you guys for what you do. I love you. You're the best team anybody could be a part of. So thank you. You're awesome. Don't hit me. Okay. I hit Justin earlier this morning, so I thought he was going to give me a shot sneakily as he departed from the stage today, but he didn't. Thank you, Justin. Appreciate you, buddy. All right, so we are going to dive in this morning, and I want to go quickly uh, through a conversation that I think is, at least last service, I believe, uh, really helped many, many people to grasp the fact that God really wants to connect with us. I really believe with all my heart there are many people that in a size room like this show up every week giving God and his church one last try. Many of you, that's you this morning. Maybe uh, you came in today and you feel very hopeless. You sort of feel helpless. And uh, you've gone through some bumps in the road and you're wondering if God really does know who you are. Um, I remember many years ago when I was 19 years old, Uh, I lost my mom to cancer. It's a big part of my story. We had a a wonderful family growing up. I loved my mom to death. I can remember even as as I got older, my mom would still just tease and joke with me like I was a five year. I remember just prior to her death, being on her lap and her tickling me. And I'm 18, 19 years old. And I loved my mom. I remember Christmas Eve day. Uh, My mom somehow had some issues going on. She needed to, to figure out some of the things she was having problems with her breathing. They took her to the hospital, and that was the last time I ever saw her. Remember, my pastor and my dad showed up that evening, Christmas Eve night, and uh, they knocked on every one of our kids, every one of the kids' doors. I had myself and two sisters. And I remember my dad walking in with my pastor, and they said, my dad was starting to break down, and he said, your, your, mom, your mom's in heaven. She, she's She's gone. And I remember then, and I can, I, can, I can really still feel what I felt then in that moment. As, as I tell you this, I, feel, I still feel the pain. I remember being 19 years old and not knowing what emotion I was feeling other than it just came out with, with anger. I remember punching some holes in the walls, right, as I heard, your mom's gone. 
And uh, I remember the months to follow that. Uh, I went back to school. I was a, it was a what year I was in college, uh, freshman or sophomore, uh, being up in Lynchburg, Virginia, where I was in college, and hearing about just my sisters, you know, gra- you know, wrestling through the loss of my mom, and my dad wrestling through the loss of my mom, and and feeling very guilty that I was gone and they were they were home, you know, struggling. And I remember deciding, okay, it's time for me to come home. I, I left school, came home, and I remember one of, the, one of the things that hurt me and made me, hurt me the most and made me the most angry was when my dad would hide his pain from us. Uh, as, as, as now a dad, I understand why, why parents try to, try to protect their families. And I did not like my dad trying to protect us from knowing his hurt. And I remember one, on one occasion, my dad was, was hiding in his back room, and I had just come home, and I, was, I didn't know where he was, and I asked my sisters, where, where's dad at? And they said they didn't know, and so I went and looked all around the house and found him just laying down in his shower, fully clothed, no water on, just boohooing his eyes out. And I remember in that moment, again, I'm 19 years old, so a lot of my hurt manifested itself in, in anger. And I remember just shaking my fist at my dad and pointing at him and saying, don't you ever ever, you know, hide from us again. Don't you hide. Don't you hurt alone. And I don't know if anybody relates to that, but I did not want my dad grieving alone. And uh, I remember, you know, getting in my truck and being mad and hitting my, my roof. I, you know, he's, you're probably thinking, I got, I got anger issues. I've really had to wrestle through a lot of that. And I look back now and I, I, I asked myself for many years, was I mad at God or was I just mad at the situation? Well, ultimately, we know that things don't happen accidentally, right? So ultimately, there's things apart from our own choices that we make that God is at the steering wheel of. God, we know God doesn't uh, cause us to make wrong choices. We have free will. But in my mind, I knew God was, God was, God was a part of all this. But I will tell you this. As that was the most helpless and hopeless I ever felt in my life, uh, that, that loss... Um, dug deep to every part of my being. And, and, and even in, in ways today, it, 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 it fleshes itself out. I have, like, I have like some issues today because of some of those things. Many of you uh, military guys, you have your PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorders. I mean, I, in many ways, anything that we go through, not, not unlike but similar to some of the things you've seen, individuals who aren't Army life, military background, war background, also have ways that we carry baggage through our life that, that, we, that we have stuck ingrained in our lives. And that was something that I would say now, looking back years ago, that God used tremendously in my life. I would say in my most hopeless times, God showed up and went from being some faraway distant, distant God that was my parents' God to being my, my personal Lord and Savior. He went from being some faraway God to being my friend. And I want to talk to you today about what it looks like to really hear from God, to really open your heart, to investigate the claims of God. If you believe he's not there, this could be a time for you today to say, God, if you're there, would you connect with me so I know you're real? And some of you might be today in a helpless place where you've been a Christ follower, where you would say, God, I need to hope again. I've lost hope. Maybe, God, I, I blame you for some lost hope, but God, would you, in the next moments of today, 
open the eyes of my heart to help me reconnect with you, God. So let me give you the theme verse that we birthed last year or last week. It's found in Proverbs 29, 18. It says this, if people, if people, say the next two words with me, if people can't see, this is, this is huge, if people can't see, what happens? If we can't see what God is doing, we stumble all over ourselves. And some of you would say, yeah, that's kind of the story of my life. Right? I've been kind of aimlessly walking through life, not really knowing, you know, what's, what's, what's the purpose of my life or what God may have for me as a target or a plan. But when, we are, when we're not seen, when we're not understanding what God's doing in our lives, we stumble all over ourselves. But, here's a huge but, when they attend or when we, when we attend to what God is attempting to reveal to us, and here's the truth of Scripture, God is always, always always wanting to reveal himself to us. You are not alone, and God has not forgotten you. God is always longing to have a deeper personal connection with you. Scripture says he wants to reveal himself to us, himself and his plan and your, the purpose he has for you in, in your life. So as we attend to that, as we pay attention like God's got a plan for me, how do I get that? As we do that, as we take those steps, and we're going to look at some steps here in just a moment, um, we are most blessed because of that. I can tell you this much. I can tell a major, major difference of someone who is attempting to follow God and someone who is not following God. I can tell it. I'm talking about like, I'm talking about I see it every day when someone's separated from God, distant from God, I can look at the joy and, or the lack of joy and the lack of peace in their life, or I can see them when they go through a helpless, hopeless time that, man, they're lost. They are empty. And I can tell you the times when I see someone who is near God and close to God and in, in conjunction and relationship with Him, they have hard times too. But I see people who are strong, people who still have joy and still have hope when they're deeply connected to Christ. I see it. And so this passage is our, our theme for this series. Now, I want to I walk us into this morning an Old Testament passage about a guy named Habakkuk. We're going to look at the book called Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a prophet of, of God. Back in the Old Testament, they would call these guys seers. God would use guys in the Old Testament to be prophets to kind of pass on before there was a Bible that was written. They would use these prophets to pass on who God was with people, what he was doing, what he was seeing, because, again, God was revealing himself to mankind. So in the Old Testament, we've got this guy named Habakkuk. And Habakkuk had just come to God and just, just opened the floodgates of his struggles to God. God, life is a mess. And he's talking about, he's talking about divisions around him in, in people groups. He's talking about battles that have been going on. He's talking about the, the woundedness of his own people. And he's sharing, you know, all his despair and struggle with God. So he unloads this on God, and then all of a sudden we see in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5 through 10, God's response to Habakkuk saying, it's a mess, God. I feel like you've forgotten what's going on. You've forgotten us. You've forgotten me. And here's God's response to Habakkuk. He says, look, Habakkuk, I want you to look at the nations and watch. I know you recognize what's going on out there, but I want you to take a step back I want you to pause for a moment, for a moment, and I want you to look. I want you to pay attention to the nations. I, I, I know you see things that are bad out there, and I, I would say this is so true 
of where we are even at today. We look around, if we looked at the nations, right, how bad do things look around us? Pretty scary, right? You got, you got people groups out there just beheading other people groups, right? We, have, we, we, see, we see the determination of some groups out there that would stop at nothing to just to destroy, right? It just seems like, man, is there any goodness in them at all, right? So here's God saying, Habakkuk, look around at the nations. I want you to pay attention to them. And I'm, I, I want you to be utterly amazed by that, all right? It's a little confusing here. I got, you want me to be amazed by this? So track with me here. For I'm going to do something in your days, and I think that would be true of our days. Even maybe we could consider this in our lifetime, maybe the time that Christ would come back. We could be in our last days. We don't know how long before Christ returns. But for I'm going to do something in your days that you won't believe, even if I were to tell you in advance. I'm raising up the Babylonians. Right? God, what are you doing now? You're ra- what? You're raising up the Babylonians. You know where modern-day Babylonian is today? It's where Iraq is. It's where Iran. It's, it's Syria. Right? It's kind of eerily similar, right? Kind of, whoa, what's going on here? This is like, woo ah. All right, I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruth- that, those, those ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to, sweeze, to seize dwellings not their own. Sound familiar? They are feared and dreaded, dreaded people, yep. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind, and they gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at fortified cities by building earthen ramps to capture them. So here we see something a bit confusing because it seems like at first uh, uh, Habakkuk came to present God all the problems. And it's like God just turned the, 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 the thing around on Habakkuk and just gave him the grand scheme of all the problems, but, th- but said, I'm doing this. <laughs> You're like, okay, God, I just told you about my problems. Aren't you going to fix them? And essentially, God's saying to Habakkuk, don't feel lost in all this. The, the, the world's not falling apart uh, accidentally. I mean, there's areas that I'm doing this. I'm allowing, in fact, I, in fact I've raised these people up, Habakkuk, so that you would recognize that there is struggle in the world. But take heart, Habakkuk, I've overcome the world and things aren't out of control. All right, so you got this thing going on here, and he also essentially passes on to Habakkuk that you are part of the answer. You're part of the the purpose, the grand scheme of how I'm going to to solve all this one day. I want you to be on board to play a role in what I'm doing to help us help people find their way back to God. Essentially, that's what's going on here. So Habakkuk hears this, and all of a sudden, he decides to, okay, God, you want me to pay attention to the, to, the, to, the, to the nations? You want to tell me something? Here's what I'll do. And then this next part is what Habakkuk actually does to set himself up to hear from God. So if you want to hear from God, here's a model. Here's, here's a model right here out of the Scripture. Habakkuk 2, 1 through 2 says this. I will climb up. I will pr- find a, a spot. I will climb up in a certain spot into my watchtower. 
a place that's not full of a bunch of people, but into my personal space, and I will wait. He's waiting to hear from God. He, he, he knows God is trying to reveal himself, and he goes to a spot so he can hear from God. So he goes and climbs up into his watchtower. He says, I will wait, and I will look to see what the Lord has to say. And then the Lord gives, then the Lord will give me an answer. And all of a sudden, God begins to give him an answer. And in, in the last part of this verse, it says, God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you, as you do what you're doing, I want you to then, I want you to write down what I reveal to you so you can read it with a glance. Now, I want to quickly this morning give you five, five very simple, quick things that we see in this passage before I go on to another passage and, get, and give you some inspiration about really who God is. But here's what we must do. Simple little, simple little, you know, five words of how we can hear God. All right, ready for this? Number one, he climbs up into a watchtower. The first thing we've got to do is withdraw. You want to hear from God? The first thing you do, you, you do, you got to get away from everything else. How many of you guys would, would recognize this to be true? The enemy of hearing from God is busyness. The enemy of prayer is being busy, Right? What happens every time you pray? You think it's something else you got to do. What happens every time you start praying? You also, oh, I, I got to check social media, right? Also, there's a buzz on my pocket, right? The enemy of hearing from God is being busy. So the first thing, if you and I want to hear from God, we've got to pull away. We've got to get to a spot. We've got to withdraw. The second thing is wait. We see him withdrawing and we see him waiting on God. Most of us quit too soon. You know, and, and, I'm, and I'm notorious, notorious for this. I'm a fast-paced person. My wife gets on to me because I'm always in a hurry, even when I don't know why. I'm in a rush. I'm in a rush, and I have all the time in the world to get there. I will honk at people. My kids make fun of me because I will verbally talk to people through my car. What are you doing? Why? Hurry up. Take the turn already, right? And I'm just like, I have nowhere to go. Wait. I think the enemy of hearing from God is we quit too soon. We'll pull away. We'll pray. But then all of a sudden we're like, got to go, right? And we leave God no time to connect back with us because we just enter back into our busyness. I think we live in a culture today where we think it is very, very uncool to say, Anything other than, how are you doing today? Oh, I've been busy. Oh, I'm busy. Right? We don't want to think, we, won't, we don't want people to think we're losers. We want people to think we got it going on. I'm a business-minded man. I got people to see, places to go. I am busy. Right? I, I feel the tension all the time. Most of you have no clue what pastors do throughout the week. I have people ask all the time, what do you do? Right? And I'm like, are you serious, man? We're busy. But I feel this tension to, when I'm having conversations with people to say, oh, yeah, I've got a lot going on. I'm busy. And I'm busy. But I feel that tension because there's something in our culture that just pushes us to be and think and be proud of this busy thing. But this busy thing can cause us to miss God. With, he withdrew. He waited. And the third thing is he read God's word. He read God's word. Notice that he said, I will look to see what the Lord has to say. I will look. See, most of us are listening for a voice from God, and we're not looking for a word. Now, now that was good. That was real good. Because I think that's the struggle of 
most of us. We're trying to like, God, I need to hear something from you. I need to hear, and God's like, I already gave it to you. There it is right there. Most of us need to recognize this is the source of truth. And a very confused set of messages in our world today, this is one truth that we can completely rely on. This is God's word. God gave us his word, and most of us, we don't need to hear a, we don't need to hear a voice. We got it already. Quit looking for a voice and look for a word from God through his word. You want to hear from God? I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's powerful. It's powerful to get alone, get in God's word, and listen to God's word. Can I tell you how I simplify that for my own life? Just me personally. Because you know I'm ADD. Even when I sit down, my brain's still going. So I, I have on my phone, I have the Bible app. And every day, as soon as I wake up, my wife and I, or either one of us, are saying, hey, have you read the Bible? Have you, re- have you heard, seen the, 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 uh, the verse of the day? And we'll, we'll you know, depending on whose eyes, uh, gosh, I sound so old, depending on who, uh, whose eyes have adjusted to the light from your phone, we'll read it to each other. And then, uh, throughout the day, and it depends on what time of the morning and what's going on, I will, I will always get in some Bible reading. I have my phone set up to where I'm going to get, the, the, I'm gonna get a, uh, a version of the Bible and I'm going to get some scripture to read. Most of you guys will pick um, a one-year Bible to read. I have set up a one-year Bible that I read. Now, let me tell you the, the pain and struggle sometimes, and I've done this. I, I oftentimes will get behind. Sometimes I'll, I'll be too slow on what I'm reading, or I'll just, I won't have time to just let a little bit of God's Word in my, my time that day, and I can't read all of what I wanted to read. So sometimes, here's what, here's what I do, here's what I think we do. It'll, it's August right now, and maybe you got behind and you're still in May. Don't say, oh, it's August, and I'm still in May, I've got to read 74 chapters to catch up. No, no don't do that. God wants you to love His Word, <laughs> Right? God doesn't want to make it a rule. He wants to make it a relationship. So just start wherever you're at and go from there. And every day, get a word from God. So he read God's word. He also wrote it down. So write. Write down what God's saying to you. When when you just sense something, it doesn't have to be some audible voice. I've never heard God audibly speak to me. God has never said, Jeff, go get milk from the store. All right? God's never said, Jeff, go pick up that homeless guy on the side of the road. Never heard it. But I sense stuff. Sometimes I'll just feel like, I, gotta, I don't know what it is. I just got to go call this guy. I don't know what it is, but I just need to call my wife, or, or I need to bring flowers home, or I need to apologize to my kids. That's a voice from God. God will always lead you to do things that are honorable, that are good. When it's not, chances are that's not God right? It's not that complicated, okay? But write it down. Write it down. Jot it down. Last thing is this. Review it. Write it down that I reveal to you so you can read it with a glance. As you jot down the stuff that you're thinking and hearing from God, write it down and read over and over and over again. You know why? Because if you didn't write it down and you don't go over it, you won't know what God said he was going to do to remember it. God, God longs to show off to us. Why? Because he's building faith. He's building a generation of people who would trust him unequivocally. God's not building a generation of people who don't trust him. In fact, God wants nothing less than for us to trust him with all of our hearts. So let me give you this in in closing. 
I want you to look in Ephesians. This is my prayer for us today. My prayer is this. My prayer is, is Ephesians 1, 17 and 18 with the question, what are you seeing now? What, what, what are you seeing in your life right now? What's going on? Where's your, where's your pressure points? Where's your pain points? Where are the areas you feel like things are hopeless, things are helpless? What are you seeing now? What's going on in your life right now? And I want to give you this verse. Ephesians 1 says this. I keep asking, and this is my prayer for us. This is the journey I want us to go on together. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom. I pray this for us. I pray this for my family, for for myself. I pray that God would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. That's what God wants for us. Isn't this, this is kind of remarkable that the God of the universe wants to know us better. It's really, he knows us. He wants us to know him better. The glorious Father may give you spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. God says that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. Last week we talked about if you don't have a target, it's hard to, it's hard to, it's, it's easy to lose hope when you're not going after something. When God gives you a purpose, all of a sudden it's like, wow, perspective. Wow, God, God, God's given me clarity in life because you know where you're going. God wants to reveal himself and reveal a plan for you, for me, in order that you may have hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance of his holy people. God has a, you have a part, all of us, every one of us have a part in God's big grand scheme, just like he was passing on to Habakkuk. Now let me tell you about three kings and we're close. There are three kings and they had another, they had a problem with the king of Moab. Three kings came together, God kind of connected these guys together and they were up against this king of Moab and they were having a struggle And this is one of these things in the Bible that is like something so incredibly miraculous that we can sink our teeth into it knowing that God has not forgotten us. And he can do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever even imagine or ask. So let me show you this last passage. 2 Kings chapter 3. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. Three kings all ganging up against another king of Moab. And after a roundabout march of seven days, the army had run out of water. Now, just pause here for a moment. After a roundabout march for seven days, what does that sound like? You ever heard that story somewhere else? Another famous story? Right? There's a story pre this passage where another guy named Joshua took took to the battle of Jericho. And they marched around the city of Jericho how many times? Seven times, all right? Here's these three kings who aren't really connecting with God, trying to pull an old play out of the playbook. Well, if it worked for them, maybe it'll work for us. But here's the thing. God's not trying to talk to your mom and your dad. He's trying to talk to you. We don't need to pull some old play from a playbook. God wants to have in your life some freshness of him. God wants to connect with you personally not yesterday, but today, every day. So it's kind of funny. These guys are pulling an old play, roundabout march of seven days, and the army had no more water. Now, if you're a military guy, 
you know that it is a bad, bad day when you're about to be in battle and you run out of agua, right? That's bad. So all of a sudden, these guys, these three kings, they run out of, wa- they run out of water for themselves and their animals. And all of a sudden, the king exclaimed, what? Right? The king totally realizes we're out of water, and that's, that's how he said it. This is really how you have to read Scripture, Okay? Some people do drugs, and some people do Scripture. You just got to do Scripture like this, okay? All right? So what, exclaimed the king of Israel, has the Lord called us three kings together only to hand us over to the king of Moab? God, what gives? Aren't we on your team? Aren't we followers of yours? Why are you allowing us to run out of water? This is bad news for us. God, what's up? So all of a sudden, this other guy... Uh, part of the, one of the kings, King or Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of what God's doing around us? All right, so they go, is there anybody else out there we can ask what's going on? Can somebody hook a brother up? Is there a holy man around that can help us figure out what's going on? And all of a sudden, an, an, an officer of the king answered, and he said, ah, Elisha, he's one of those guys. Elisha, son of Zaphat, is here. And he used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. So that means he's a big dog, right? Okay, so let's find him. So Jehoshaphat says, the word of the Lord is with this guy. He's legit. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. That They went down to see Elisha. Elisha said to the king of Israel, what do we have to do with each other? I don't think he liked him very much. There was some rift. I don't know what was going on here. But what do we have to do with each other? Why are you here to see me? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. No, said the king of Israel. We, because, no, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three, three, three kings together to hand us over to Moab. Elisha said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have the respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat, of Judah, I would not even look at you or even notice you, all right? They don't like each other, but they're showing up thinking God's, God's doing something. They're looking for the plan God's supposedly going to reveal to them. They're, 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 they're feeling pretty hopeless because they're completely out of water. Put yourself in those shoes in whatever helpless, hopeless place you've ever been, and these guys are there. And then I think God just says, okay, I'll help you guys. Here's, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what God says in 2 Kings chapter uh, 3, verse 15. But now God says, bring me a harpist, which makes no sense, right? We need water, not a harp. But God says, bring me a harpist. And while the harpist is playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. We get something out of this. Write this down. Hope is birthed in God's presence. This is powerful. Hope is birthed in the presence of God. This harp thing, it wasn't about the harp. It was about inviting the presence of God in. You know why we worship? Because we, we say thanks to God, and you know what thanks does? It invites the presence of God in. So all of a sudden, they're hoping for water, and God's saying, water's great, but I'm, I'm a greater substance than even that. You want your daily bread, you got to eat. you got to eat from me, daily bread. You need me every day. So hope 
is birthed in God's presence. Bring, bring a harpist. And while the harpist was playing, the Lord comes on Elijah. Band, you guys can come on up as I close. 2 Kings 3.16 says this, and he says, this is what the Lord says, make this valley full of ditches. Again, they're going, we don't want to dig ditches. Can you just send some rain? We'll just hold our mouths up, ah, and hold our cups up because we are thirsty. But he says, this is what the Lord says, make the valley full of ditches. You know what happens when you're hoping for God's presence? Write this down, number two. Hope always goes from inspiration, something you're inspired to do, to something you have to take a step to finally do. Trusting God always, always, always requires you to start taking a step. That is the trust factor. You may not have all the answers. You may not know where God is completely leading you, but faith is taking a step towards God. Inspiration to participation. Hope goes from inspiration to participation. Last part of this verse, and I'll close, 2 Kings 3, 17 and 18. For this is what the Lord says. All right, you've been waiting, you've waiting, been waiting for water. Been hoping that I would come through for you. And God says, you will see neither wind nor rain. God, is this the good news? We're waiting for water. You told us to dig ditches. We've dug, we've done, we have dug the ditches, God. And God says, you're going to dig ditches and see nothing. And here's the problem. Most of us want to quit too early. We're waiting for God. We're waiting for God. And all of a sudden we just say, you know, God, you haven't pulled through when I wanted you to pull through. And we quit. Can I tell you, this, this is a point of don't quit. Don't quit. Some of you have been following God. You've been hoping for hope. You've been praying that God would come through. You've been praying that God would be a a true source of reality for you. God basically says, sometimes I don't do it right when you ask for it. But notice this. I'm going to make it rain, and you and your cattle and your animals will drink. And notice what God says. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will hand you over to Moab, or he will also hand Moab over to you. Last thing is this. Hope continues regardless of what's seen, regardless of what we see. We can trust in God. The story goes that God gives them the rain and fills the valley of the ditches that they dug. But when they dug those ditches, God had not made it rain yet. Some of you today, you are on the edge of stepping out and trusting God. Can I just push you over the edge today? Can I just go ahead and just, can can we just get to a place where we just test God? And wherever he is trying to lead you, you take a step. Because here's the deal. God is longing to reveal himself to you and I. And he is, in the, he is in the faith building business. I double dog dare all of you today who are wrestling with the reality, is God real? To pray for him to show up in your life and prove himself to you. I don't believe in you. All right, God, prove, that, prove, me, prove me wrong. I, I, I double dog dare you if that's you this morning.
And I also pray for the rest of us potentially today that if you're on the edge of some hopeless place in your life, that you would stick it out a little longer, get yourself to a private place and start saying, God, I need to hear from you. I need to know, God, you have not forgotten me. And I believe with all my heart, you'll stay there long enough. If you'll get in his word, God will give you some clarity and perspective, I promise. Let's pray. God, we close today out acknowledging that you are real and that you love us. Thank you for giving your heart and your life, giving us this word that we can sink our teeth into every day to find hope. We love you, Lord. Amen.